Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. So we're going to deal with this importance of knowing but not just knowing, but also obeying. Obeying the Word's view over the world's view regarding some very important topics. And you want to be here for the next, for this week and two weeks thereafter because we're going to deal with some hard-hitting topics and we're going to see what the Word of God says because I think so much, so many times we have a tendency to allow the world's perspective and the world's culture to affect what it is that we believe. And let me tell you something, we need to make sure that our, that, 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 that our election and our account is very, very sure and that it's backed up with this word, amen? But today, somebody say today, and I need y'all praying with me. Are y'all praying with me today? Because I, because I can tell you right now, I know this is not going to be one of them days where I'm going to get a whole lot of amens. Uh, but it's all right because I understand my responsibility, and that is to deliver truth. So whether, whether I get an amen or I make y'all happy, that's not really my goal. That's not really my focus. My focus is to make sure that I'm pleasing God and making Him happy with, with the job that I'm doing. Amen? So today, somebody say again, today. That may be the last time y'all talk back to me in here. Today we're going to talk about money. <laughs> today we're going to talk about money. Today we're going to talk about money. And, you know, I used to shy away from talking about this because, you know, I don't want y'all to look at me. Ah, see, there it is. And I knew it. Always talking about money. But let me just, but let me just say this. The Bible, the Word of God doesn't shy away from it, so why should we? The Word of God doesn't shy away from talking about money, so I figured, why should I? I mean, uh, uh, now, so before you tune me out, I, I, I know what people and then past church hurts may contribute to this, but let me just talk about this. Uh, um, if, if we look at the Word of God, uh, even in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses deals with money. One out of every six verses deals with money. And even when you look at the parables of, Jesus, of, of the 29 parables that Jesus, the Christ himself, talked about, he, 16 of them, 16 out of the 29, dealt with a person and his money. So I think money is very interesting and that we need to deal with this head on. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it very interesting uh, when people hear or discover that uh, we give, or that I give, Courtney and I, we give well above the 10% of the tithes doing our thing. You know, there was several years ago, we were, um, we switched CPAs to kind of do our taxes. Um, and so the, the new guy, he says, he says, why are you giving this much money to the church? I mean, you need to be saving this and putting this, putting more money, contributing more to your 401k and to your IRA or to your Roth or, or, or whatever it is, or put it into a savings. And I said, listen, I respect you for what you do, but this right here is non-negotiable. And here's the reason why. It's because the reason why I give is because God commands it. My, my dad, when, uh, when, 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 when I was very young, when all of us were very young, he taught us something that I thought he was just incredibly smart. And I was like, man, dad, you're real smart because he gave us these tips um, that we should apply whenever we got money. And the tips were, um, he said, number one, and I, and I, have, these, I have these on the screen. Daniel, go past the scripture because I'll come back to the scripture. But the first tip was pay God. He told me, he says, when you get money, when you receive income, first thing you should do is pay God. And then the second thing you should do is pay yourself. And then the third thing you should do is 
pay your bills. So he said, pay God, that's tithing, right? And then he says, pay yourself, that's your savings. And then he tells us to pay our bills. That, that really boils down to just integrity and wisdom because how many people know it's no fun when the gas is off? It's no fun when the lights and the repo man show up and he wants that vehicle that you said, that you promised him that you would pay him for every single month. And that's what my dad began to teach us. And, 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 and then when I grew up, I, 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 felt, I figured out that uh, he, he wasn't just, this wasn't something he came up with. There were other parents who told their kids the same thing. And, uh, but he just had a way of making us feel like he was giving us a leg up on the competition. And so I appreciate that about him. But I've heard people say, well, I just can't afford to tithe. Can I tell you something? You can't afford not to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. Uh, but, but Pastor Devin, you don't understand. I need all the money I can get just to make ends meet. And now you're telling me to pay God first? So let me just give you a little insight. You need money? How many people in here need money? I'm going to show you from the Word of God what Jesus says about it. Let me say, let me tell you how you don't get money. <laughs> you don't get money by dropping hints and around people to kind of let them know that you need money. That's called manipulation, <laughs> right? And neither, and this might upset some folks, neither do you get money simply by praying for it. Mm. This is going to shock some of you, but Jesus says it very, very plain. He says, you receive by giving. Mm. See, some people pray for money without giving, and that's impossible. Because that would contradict what Jesus said. He didn't say pray and it will be given. He said give and it will be given. What are you talking about? Now, let's go to this passage of Scripture, the book of Luke. Go to the book of Luke. This is not where we're going to base our thing from, but I want to take you here real quick. Book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 38. I want to show you something. Now, this passage is not necessarily talking about money. I, through study, we understand it's talking about love and forgiveness. But the principles from it can be extracted to really apply to the global aspect of what it is. And, and this is Jesus talking where he says, give and it will be given to you. Watch this, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. This is the part I want you to really get and understand. For the measure with, for, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So in other words, Jesus put uh, the, the return amount you get back into your hands. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I've never seen a giver go broke. I've never seen a giver go broke. I mean, when you truly give the way the Lord instructs us to give, watch this. See, I remember a season in my life, and, and, and Courtney can even attest to this, I remember a season in our lives where, where we wanted to not just uh, uh, give the 10% of what we made, but we wanted to give according to what we wanted to make. And it was a big step of faith. And so we begin tithing on what we wanted to make. And can I tell you something about the faithfulness of God? God, you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. I mean, you can never beat God giving. If you try to get into a competition with God to talk about, hey, God, I can outgive you, God will always show you up and show out all by himself because you cannot outgive God. Here's the reason why you cannot give God is because God already gave the ultimate gift. His son, John 3, 16, said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So he gave you two gifts. He gave you the gift of his son and he gave you everlasting life. Everlasting. <laughs> so all you have to do is just understand and receive what it is that he's trying to do. So it's not pray and get. It's not tell others and get. But rather it's give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you. Let me show you this in Scripture. There's no better uh, activation than principle than, than, than in giving to God. And in church, we call this tithing. So let me take a moment and just really kind of talk about tithing in this place. 
Tithing is consistent, joyful, thoughtful giving to God's church. You might want to write that down because we're going to really deal with all those elements of it. Tithing is consistent, joyful, thoughtful giving to God's church. It's basically a thank you note to God because he is your supplier. See, I know a lot of you think, oh, no, I, I went to college, I got my own education, and I got this good job, and this is my money. Let, let me just help you here. The book of Deuteronomy 8, the 18th chapter, I think, I think we do have this on the screen as well, but it says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he, can we go to Deuteronomy, Daniel? The next, it should be the next one. There we go. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability. <laughs> See, you, you think you went to school and you made it all on your own. Let me tell you something. You wouldn't be able to pass that class if it wasn't for him. You wouldn't have been able to ace that exam if it wasn't for him. Because you tried it on your own and, and you got a D at best. But let me tell you something, it was God that gave you the ability to make sure that you could pass those classes to get the degree you got, to get accepted to the interview, to speak well in the interview process, to make sure that, God, that they could understand what it is that you were saying, and then they hired your tail, and then, and then it was God that helped you understand the scope of work on the job to make sure that you can do the job successfully, and then it was God that caused you to be there every two weeks to get a paycheck for the time that you put in. I think somebody needs to give God some praise and recognize that it is the Lord your God that gives you the ability. He gives you the ability to produce wealth. He gives you the, King James says, he gives you the power to get wealth. I like this trend, but he gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore by your ancestors as it is uh, today. We serve a mighty God. So I'm going to try my best to be as practical as I can as we talk about this very important thing, giving, and this give and it will be given to you. So I'm really going to deal, I'm going to throw out several scriptures, but the premise of what I'm going to deal with is really going to be hinged off of two. Two scriptures, I got two points, give you two scriptures, and then we're going to really talk about the why and the how. Somebody say the why we give and the how we give. All right, so let's go a little deeper. Let's start with the first and the why we give. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three, and we're gonna start at verse eight. Malachi chapter three, or as Pastor Tim says, the only Italian book in the Bible, Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. It reads like this. Will a mere mortal rob God? <laughs> Yet you do rob me. But you ask, I just love that discourse. It's like, you know, God is asking the question and then he's, then he, then he, it's almost like you can hear the answer. Will a man rob God? No, we wouldn't rob you, but you do rob me. <laughs> you know, he comes right back to him. But you do rob me. And then he says, and you ask, how are we robbing you? Look at what the answer is. He says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. Somebody say the whole tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there would not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in its fields will not drop their fruit until it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Did you know that you can rob God? If you don't give tithes and offering, guess what? You're robbing God. 
And let me tell you something, that's not me. That's the Word of God. It's the Bible. God put you on the honor system when it comes to your finances. And so many times the last part of man to be converted in the salvation process is his wallet. That's the last part. Most times that's the very last thing that is to be converted. So let me make this clear to you. A tithe simply means one-tenth. Does everybody have that understanding? A tithe means one-tenth. Let me take you to math class about the only thing in math that I got, so let me give it to you because I got this good. Years of practice here. If you make $100, then how much of it belongs to God? Wrong. All of it belongs to God. It all belongs to Him. But what He's requiring of you, <laughs> what He's requiring of you is just 10%, which is $10. So if you receive a check for $1,000, then you need to write a $100 thank you note to God. Are we clear on that? If you don't tithe, you're what? Robbing God. And I don't know about you, but I don't like to be robbed. It don't feel good when somebody takes from me and they wrong. Now, God specifies that there are tithes, oh Lord, help me, Holy Ghost, and offerings. <laughs> tithes and offerings. The offering is above your 10%. See, your 10% is just the baseline. That, that's what gets you started, gets you out the gate. Your offering is above. So don't go around saying, well, I gave an offering if you haven't done the first part first. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled and overflowing and your vats will, will brim over with new wine. Now, let me be a little transparent. Um, there have been times in my life in ministry where I have, I have worked as minister of music, director of music, worship leader for different churches. E even, at, even at my grandfather's church, he would give me a little stipend uh, of money. And there would be times when I would think, and I would try to circumvent my tithing situation, and I would say, well, you know, I'm giving more of myself Y'all ain't saying nothing. I, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. I'm giving more of myself, and they're only paying me a little bit, so really my time is my tithe. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. All the work that I was doing, and you who may serve in the church, you may think that because, because you serve you know, as an usher or a greeter, especially when the half the other folk don't show up, but you always hear that, you know, or maybe you serve on the worship team, you know, that this is my tithe, I'm tithing of myself. Let me tell you something, let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it twisted. You can't call that your tithe. You don't call that your tithe. God is very careful to say the whole tithe. There are a lot of Christians that simply tip God, but very few actually tithe to God. Think about it. You take more time and effort and consideration to figure out and to calculate what you're going to give that waiter or waitress at that restaurant than you do about what you're going to give to God. And some people would never think of giving a waitress the mere 10%. I mean, I know some of you all are just going to be ratchet and, 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 and just, just, just plain disrespectful to the people that bring out you some good food, hot food, and y'all just leave back, you know, whatever change, uh, and I'm talking about the loose kind of change, after they bring you back your bill. And that's all you're going to do. But, but, you know, most of you all are good, and, and, and y'all and, and give generously to that waitress because you know they're only making $2.50 an hour, and they have to depend on these tips. 
And so you make sure, even eat, you don't even argue where they bring out the bill and you with a large party and it says gratuity at 18%. You don't even argue. Oh yeah, gratuity, gratitude. <laughs> I, remember, I remember somebody saying that before and they were like, you know, uh, 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 what's this gratitude? I said, well, it's not gratitude, it's gratuity, gratuity. But you think nothing of giving God less than that every single week. You think nothing about it. It's called a tithe, not a tip. You want to know a good way to see if you are robbing God? I struggle with even putting it that way, but it is what it is. Uh, Take your W-2 that you get at the end of your work year. Look at the total that you have received, all right? And then take the income statement that we provide to you, you know, at the, at the top of the following year, and it, and it shows you how much you've given to the house of God. And then at minimum, your giving statement from the church should reflect at least 10% of what you have received. And then you say, man, God, I've, I've robbed you. I haven't, even, I haven't even given what it, and you gave me the ability to get all of this that I have. And I haven't even given you what it is. I mean, it all belongs to you and all you're requiring is a tenth. Let me say this, tithing doesn't make you generous. If we only give 10%, let me tell you something, that makes you 1% better than a thief. If you only give 10%, that makes you 1% better because if, because, if, because if somebody comes in and they give 9%, let me tell you what happens. They are a thief and a robber according to the word of God. God's word shows us that he considers the 10% his property. And anything less is stealing from him, according to the word of God. The tithe is only to be a reminder to us that he owns everything. 100% of every resource. In ministry, I found that most times, most times, and hear me good, People, when people aren't tithing, most likely they're cheating God in other areas of their life. And until we have tithed, hear me good, we can't call anything we give an offering because generosity begins where tithing ends. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? I'm, I listen. I'm not trying, please understand, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you. Because God's word is true. And you will be blessed if you walk in the obedience of God's truth. You will never be sorry that you tithed. And get this, we go back to Malachi 3, 8 through 12. This is the only rare occasion. This is the only rare occasion in the entirety of Scripture, in the entire Word of God, where the Bible says, test me on this. <laughs> Prove me. He says, try me. God wants you to test him. See, God, God has to say this. He says, he says, I need you to test me because you don't believe me. <laughs> See, it's not a test when you really believe, because when you really believe, you take him at his word and you do what his word says. But he had to tell them, and he's telling us today, hey, test me because you don't believe me. And when you test me, I'll show you that I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you won't even have room enough to, to store it. I know he will. Let me give you two more thoughts about storehouse and the devil. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. The storehouse 
is where God uses the local church to be a resource. Watch this. The tithe goes to the church you go to. You don't eat Applebee's and then go pay Olive Garden. There was uh, this pastor, he stood before the congregation and he said, I have bad news, I have good news, and I got some more bad news. <laughs> the church just sighed and looked at him with great intent and they quiet. Said, the bad news is the church needs a new roof. Whole congregation began to groan. He says, the good news is we have enough money for the new roof. Everybody began to get excited and they began a sigh of relief came over the church. He said, the bad news is the money is still in your pockets. So we got to figure out a way to get the money out of your pockets. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, it's in the house. <laughs> because see, when I give, I'm not giving to the church, I'm giving to the Lord. And see, we say here at Revival Tabernacle, you don't give to the church, you give through the church. Because God has positioned us here in this community for a specific task and purpose. But let me tell you something, things don't happen just off of your hallelujahs and thank you Jesuses. Just because we have a shouting good time and Sister Lisa up here sweating and the worship team is up here singing and clapping and we here coming here and we say, glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And then we walk out of them doors and then at the end of the day, we still got lights that got to come on. I mean, because, because our mission is to reach sinners. How would you feel, how would you feel, let me just break this thing all the way down to us right here. How would you feel if you brought somebody, one of your loved ones, and you wanted their life to be touched so they can receive Jesus Christ, but you came into the house and the light was off? They're going to say, well, why do you go to this church again? I believe that everything that we need to fulfill the mission and the vision that God has given us for this house is in this house. And if you're a part of this house, if you're a part of the mission of reaching sinners, raising believers and releasing leaders, let me tell you something, you have an obligation to make sure that that is an active uh, 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 activation of this house. And we do that through our giving. Let me just say this. So you don't have to worry about, well, you know, I don't really trust them, you know, because you know, I've been a part of some churches and they've given, you know, I've given and they did something wrong. Let me tell you something. You give as unto the Lord. You let the church be responsible to, unto God. Now, I can say this with full faith and integrity. We have an amazing finance team, and, 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 and they get together, and they keep eyes on uh, uh, the wherewithal of our church, all of our facilities, all of our bills. Every single week, they're, they're on top of it. They do an amazing job, and it is, it is done with the most utmost integrity. And at any given moment, if you want to see the books, we have an open book policy. You can come, and you can see where everything goes, every bill's being paid, every dime that goes out, because it all is for the mission and ministry that God has called us to do right here in this community. But see, there are big issues that arrive that arise when you talk about tithing. Big issues. And I've heard it all, all throughout my life. You know, tithing, isn't that under the law? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh so we're going to deal with that right here because I want to show you something. You know, uh, uh, that tithing under the law is what people say. You know, we are not, so I'm not under the law anymore. You know, I'm under grace. We're up under new covenant. All right, let me, let me come your way, new covenant. And let me just dismantle this, this thing that you've heard over your life, but you didn't really take time in Scripture to qualify what it is that you've heard. So let me just show you something. The law was given 13 B.C. 
Okay, law was given 13 BC. The first command for tithing was given 17 BC to Abraham. Okay, so law was given to Moses, past Abraham. So before Moses was Abraham, this is when the first command of tithing was given, 17 BC. It's when the gospel was preached to him, and, and, and so was tithing preached to him back in Genesis 14. So the, the, the origin of tithing was Abraham and Melchizedek. No law said that he was supposed to do it. Abraham was not up under the law. And we are not up under the law just like Abraham. So those of you who say, I'm not under the law, Tyler was under the law. No, it wasn't. They know we're not up under the law. But let me tell you something. It was even given back then. And, 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 and it's amazing. You know, he, he, here are my thoughts about those who say uh, that tithing is under the law. Winston Churchill says it like this. He says, the most valuable thing in the world is truth. And it is so valuable that it is often defended by bodyguards of lies. Oftentimes it is defended by a bodyguard of lies. Now, I gave you some historical info already. Pastor, you're like, hand my laptop because I know this is getting ready to... to so let, me, let me just see this here. So let me just give you some very, very practical things here real quickly here. For those people who say they're privatizing 10% to a church, here we go. Most of the people, and, and I mean, I've seen this just over time because I used to, you know, like even, even, even in my early years of, of being involved in the ministry, I mean, I've seen what uh, people have, have said and what people do. But let me just show you this. Uh, most of the time, people that hold a hard line on tithing issue, number one, they don't tithe regularly. They don't. Number two, they hate people telling them what to do with their money, so they will launch into this Old Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant debate and talk. The third reason why most people draw this hard line on, on tithing, watch this, they don't have the financial blessing of God to prove that they are doing what's right. And then the fourth thing is they're afraid to show their records to prove anyone wrong, especially the Word of God. And see, if they really want to get into this, you know, old covenant, new covenant, can I just tell you something? The New Testament covenant was much more intense. It was much more uh, than 10%. It was much more brutal. So if people want to say, you know, well, I'm up under the new covenant. Okay, go right ahead. Then you should be giving way more than 10%. I mean, New Testament, I mean, look at these examples. You, you had the widow. She gave 100% of what she had. Barnabas gave 100%. Zacchaeus gave 50% of what he had. <laughs> So in my opinion, people should be happy that we don't say, do it like you give in the New Testament. <laughs> I, I saw this from John Piper. <laughs> I thought this was good. He says, <laughs> John Piper said, let me just pull it up over here. He says, we live in a better covenant. So why would we give less than what the Jews gave in the Old Testament? Because we live in a better covenant under Christ, we should give more. We should give more. Finally, what would, what, would you have a problem? Let me just ask this. Would you have a problem with me telling you to get more blessed? Of course not. Of course not. Why then would you have a problem with me telling you how that happens? Acts 20, 35. We have this up on the screen. Acts 20 and 35. It says, in everything I did, this is Paul saying, I showed that uh, by this kind of hard work, uh, we must help the weak. No, I'm saying this in Paul. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, when you get challenged on this level, how do you lose? You can't. Why would you, why would you debate? You win if you obey. 
More blessed are those who give, Jesus says in the book of Acts. No one has ever become poor by giving. Let me throw one more in there because people have always had all these different combative things that they want to say whenever it comes about money. And I mean, really, it is a worldview versus a worldview. But let me talk about this. Well, then, okay, fine. If you want me to give, I'll give. I'll give 10%. But am I supposed to tithe on the net or the gross? How many people have heard that? Never heard, heard people ask that? Am I supposed to give to the net or the gross? Uh, let me ask you this question. When, when, when they take their taxes, do they take it off the net or the gross? Malachi said, uh, you give more to the governor than you do to God. Malachi 1 and 8. So why should Christians tithe? Let me tell you something. Bottom line is, God commands it. Bottom line is, God commands it. But let me give you, quickly, seven benefits of giving. I'm going to go through these pretty fast. Are we seven benefits of giving, Dan? Because I want this up on the screen. Seven benefits of giving. Number one, giving connects me to God's heart. Giving connects me to God's heart. John 3.16 says the best gospel of the world that he gave his only son. So when you give, you are imitating your father. Number two, giving draws me closer to God. Matthew 16.21, it says this, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Here's a big one. Number three, giving is the antidote to materialism. It is. It's the antidote to materialism. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they may, they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Number four, giving strengthens my faith. Giving strengthens my faith. Proverbs 3 and, three and 5 and then, and then also 3 and 9, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Verse 9, skip down, it says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of your income and he will fill your barns to overflowing. And then Luke, we read it earlier, given it will be given to you. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Number five, giving is an investment in eternity. Giving is an investment in eternity. Look at 1 Timothy 3, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. Here's the Living Bible's translation. It says, give happily to those in need. And always be ready to share whatever God has given you. By doing this, you will be storing, watch this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven. And it is the only safe investment for eternity. Number six, giving blesses me in return. Proverbs 22 and 9, a generous man himself will be blessed. It's the Bible. A generous man himself will be blessed. Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous man will prosper, <laughs> and he who refreshes others will himself also be refreshed. Number seven. Giving makes me happy. And we just read it in Acts 20 and 35, but let me give it to you from the Living Bible. It says, therefore, it is, it is more happiness in giving than in receiving. Can I tell you something? When you give the tithe unto the Lord, the 90% goes further than when you have the entire 100. It does. I'm telling you. I mean, you, you wonder why, you know, 
It seemed like, what? I mean, it's, 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 it's Friday at 6, and you just got paid that Friday morning. And you said, nah, didn't I have? Where did all my money go? See, when we place our contribution in the collection bucket, we are not just giving the Lord something he doesn't have. We are just taking our hands off of that which belongs to him already. Are you with me in this place? I'm trying to get done, but I got to give you this truth. See, when you give, two houses get blessed. You go back to Malachi 3, verse, starting at verse 10, it says, uh, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to even store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields from not dropping their fruits before they are ripe, says the Lord of hosts. See, when you, when, your house and God's house gets blessed when you give, when you tithe. Your house and God's house gets blessed. And let me just tell you something. When you get down into it, it's really all or nothing. See, the only way you get blessed is when God's house gets blessed. But when you don't tithe, God will still get his, but you lose out. He will. He wants to bless you, but he wants you to be involved in the blessing process. Giving isn't so, matter, isn't so much a matter of what you have as much as it is a matter of who has you. Because your giving reveals who has your heart. Your giving reveals who has your heart. There was a testimony. And uh, I, I want to just read this, this testimony. It was powerful. It, it was a testimony of, of a lady down in Louisiana at Pastor Tim's uh, church, Our Savior's Church. And uh, she, was, she was a single mom who had, who, had been, who had become a widow. And she starts to learn off like this. She says, I know there are a lot of widows and single moms out there who are scarred, or, or, or I'm sorry, not, not scarred, but who are scared when it comes to tithing. I just want to share of God's faithfulness over me over the last eight years since the death of my husband. Watch this. It says, our story began when we had been saved for years and had never heard a sermon on tithing. We lived on a feast or famine mode. With the oil industry, you just never knew what was going to happen. The first time we heard a sermon, uh, uh, we thought we would give it a shot. God's word says, test me in this, in Malachi. We left that Sunday in tithe that very first week. Ten days later, we received a phone call that Steve's estranged uncle had passed away and had left each one of his nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews $12,000. That was the beginning. When my husband passed away, we, we had a lot of debt. We had over $180,000 life insurance policy. I hadn't worked in years. We, I went to my pastor and said, if I don't tithe, I could pay off some bills. He said to me, the man in me says, keep it. But as your pastor, you'll be blessed by your obedience. So I wrote a check and knew that Steve was telling me I had to be obedient to what we believed. Steve's boss called me and said that he was such an incredible man and had been, a, and had been so good to them that they wanted to continue his paychecks till the end of the year. He was a company man, not on salary, but worked exclusively for them. At that time, he was making $12,000 a month. I got a check every month for four months, totaling $48,000. I continued to tithe every penny that came in. 
In January, Steve's boss called and said that they had a stockholders and investors meeting, and they agreed that Steve made them so much money by taking old oil wells and bringing them back to life that they wanted to give me 1% of one well made in one day. Watch this. 1% of one well, one day's worth of profit. The total was $141,656. Steve, Steve was also a Vietnam veteran. I applied for Agent Orange. He died of a heart condition and lung problems that was caused by Agent Orange. I tried for two years and was denied every single year. I still kept trying. The third year, they notified me and said that I was finally approved. Watch this. I was going to get all of the back pay from the time that he died, which was three years from now, three years from now that time, when my husband passed away that day. The total was over $41,000. I also have free health care for the rest of my life. I also would have free prescriptions for the rest of my life. I was also reimbursed all the prescription fees for the last three years, totaling over $4,000. God's faithfulness has blown me away. Watch this. And it's not over. She says, I've been able to pay off the house we lived in and the one next door. I'm able to rent them out for supplemental income. I was able to get completely debt-free other than my new home. I was able to buy a car and pay cash for it. From the, from the week of my husband going home, I asked God to move me from the country into the city. I was in Scott and wanted to be in the center of Lafayette. I prayed for three years and, and said to the Lord, if you get the Agent Orange approved, then that's my sign. I can move into the town and will pay, pay for my house. As soon as I got approved, I started looking. I found a brand new patio to home two minutes from our Savior's church in Lafayette. One of the members is, is the developer. Watch this. The builder of the house was going to build something small for me in the back of the subdivision. After looking at my plans, he says it couldn't be done. But, when, but we were meeting in the house, but we were meeting in a house he had built in the same subdivision. I said, if you want the house we have to begin meeting or that we've been meeting in, I will sell it to you. I said to him right away, that's way over my budget. But it, but it had things I dreamed I could have in a home. He said, I will sell it to you for $30,000 less than the asking or listed price. I didn't even know that God would, have mo would move me from my home in, in, in that particular time. He knew all along that he had the big picture in his hands or in his mind. I look back and I just stand in awe of what God had done in my life in the last eight years. The total income is over $400,000. The total tithe, $40,000. For a widow, housewife, and mom, God provided way more than I could ever have even imagined or dreamed. I worked at the Christian school for seven years and didn't make a whole lot of money, but God was my provider, and I know that, that he, has made, he, has, he has me in the palm of his hand. I am training for my dream job now, and God is still faithful. I have pictures of almost every check that came in. I keep the stockholders check copy in my wallet just to remind me I still get just to remind me when I still get a little nervous about money. I go back to when I was discouraged just to see God is my husband now and he is faithful. Why do we give? Because God commands it. And there's a blessing that comes along with your obedience. Let me give you number two, how do we give? I'm going to be done in just a second. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 16. And I love the, trans, the transition to 1 Corinthians 16. 
Because remember, and we talked about this a few time, a few weeks ago, that when the Bible was written, there was no breaks in verses. There was not even any breaks in, in chapters. It was all written as one continual letter. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 16, and we're going to start at verse 51. <laughs> Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. How many of you are, are looking forward to that great day when we will all be changed? I'm, I mean, this is the blessed hope. This is in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting, of, the, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God. He gives us the victory through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now about the collection of the Lord's, uh, of the Lord's people. Did you all catch that? He goes right from talking about the resurrection and the second coming of Jesus Christ or the rapture of the church of God right into giving. In other words, he puts, he puts the importance of how we give just on the same level as when he comes and raptures us and takes us home. And he transitions, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain when the Lord uh, uh, is not in vain in the Lord. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. It's amazing. He goes right from talking about, he comes right in from talking about the rapture of the church and that great getting up morning into when you give, when you come together on the first day of the week, when you come together, this is how you should govern yourself. The same way I told the church in Galatians is the same way that you should respond. Tithing isn't the finish line, it's the starting line. So I got a question for you. Have you started? Have you started? The fact is, God doesn't need or even want your money. He wants you. And until you give him the tithe, he doesn't really have you. Oh, boy. Tithing is not an act of generosity. It's an act of obedience. Tithing isn't a matter of accounting. It's a matter of attitude. It's a matter of, do we really trust God? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, and this is what we just read, 1 Corinthians 16, verses says that we give in four ways. And you'll see this on the screen. We give in four ways. Number one, we give consistently. First day of the week, that's today. When you receive income, that's when you should give. And then he says we should give generously. Well, the Bible says if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. He says the generosity gets a generous reward. No person, watch this, no person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has always been bestowed upon the person for what they gave. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Consistently, generously, 
The next way that, that you ought to give or the attitude you ought to give is thoughtfully. Thoughtfully. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 16. It says, set aside money according to your income. According to what you have, which means that you, you think it out. You don't just come and you just throw money, whatever you got, whatever it is, Lord, here it is. You don't just throw money into the basket. You think it out, you plan it out. You say, Lord, I want to make sure I'm doing right by what it is that you've given me. And then the last way is this, joyfully. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this is the only time that this word in this context is used in the entire Bible, and it means hilarious. Everything, it, 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 I mean, it means, I mean, joyful means hilarious. And it's amazing that uh, when it's time to give, it's everything but joyful. <laughs> I mean, it's everything, but oh, oh Lord, here we go. We got to do this now. Let me tell you something. Giving is connected. It's a part of our, it's an extension of our worship. When it's time to give, that's not a break in the service. It's a continuation of our worship unto the Lord. When we give to God, we are just taking our hands off of what already belongs to him. So we give God what's right, not what's left. First thing I do, when, my, when that direct deposit hits, I go right online and I send in that tithe. I wish I could do it before Uncle Sam gets here because I want to just show him, you're not first, God is. But the way it's all set up, that's it's fine. God knows my heart. I'm making sure I'm giving off of the gross of the income and making sure that God gets his before I do anything else. I make sure that he gets his because he deserves his first. Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have what I have. Two things ruin the church. Loose living and tight giving. <laughs> you want you <laughs> Let me just move on. And see, there's a whole lot of us in here that give God all the credit in the world, but they never give him cash. I thank God for all that he has done. God looks at the heart, not the hand, the gift, the giver, not the gift. I, I wonder what would happen. And this is where I'm challenging us, and then we're going to go home. I, I really do wonder what would happen to us as a church in this community that God has called us to? What would happen if, if everyone got on the page of making sure that they gave God what is rightfully is? I believe that some of the things that we struggle with, and I mean, you know, we're open. We had a town hall meeting. We were very open and transparent about some of the things that we still have to deal with here as a church financially, you know? mortgage, past vendor relations, and all this other stuff. And, and we've, we've been diligent. We've been faithful. And I believe that just as we have been faithful in the few, God is going to make us rule over that much more. But I believe that, man, it will be just amazing if, 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 we, if everyone in this place that, that says this is, your, this is your home, this is where God has called you to, really did what God asked you to do for the place that God has called you to be. I think a lot of our, our issues, troubles that we have, will be wiped away because I believe that God has already made the provision for this house, and it's in the house. And then we can stop playing this defensive ball and really get on the offensive and do the things that God has called us to do for this city and to reach the lives of the people that need a real Jesus. 
Not this watered-down thing of what religion is. You know, no, no, no. I'm talking about a real Jesus that, able, that is able to save, to heal, and deliver them from the very things that have them bound. In my conclusion, our ultimate goal is to be just like God. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians 5 and 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. God is a giver. God gave, and so we are to give. I'm thankful that God did not just tithe from heaven. And I'm thankful that Jesus, when he was on the cross, he did not just give a tenth of his blood. He gave it all. He gave so that you could give. And the biggest give for you is for you to give him your life. Let's stand all over this place. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.